0: Well good morning, everyone. My name is Ashley Hattinger. I am the interim lead pastor here at Delaware Journey. And I am so just glad to be here today. Um, we've been in a sermon series called Embracing Babylon the last few weeks. And I just want to hop into some scripture today. Um, I've been telling you guys every week that when we uh when we were praying about whether or not we would take this position and kind of step in here, uh, it was really today's message. It was the sermon series, the text that we're using, but it was really today's message that really got me thinking, like, okay, God, I think this is what you want to share with the people of Journey Delaware. So I'm, I'm really been excited about today. It may feel a little different. I'm looking forward to that And I would love to invite you, maybe you have a phone app, maybe you have like your actual Bible, whatever it is, I would love to invite you to join me in Jeremiah 29, starting probably about verse four. And what we're talking about is about 500 years before Jesus, Israel was taken into exile in Babylon. And history says this is scholars of all kinds and the Bible, history says this was the hardest time in, just about the hardest time in the history of God's people. And yet somehow it was probably the best time as well. And somehow it was both. And they came out stronger than ever. And as a people with God, this was the most devastating thing. But yet somehow, it was the best thing for them long term. They came out stronger than ever as a people and their sense of identity and sense of who they were in God. And week one, we talked about how that was possible because they embraced their time in exile. They embraced their time in exile. And maybe you, you guys remember if you were here, uh, but the, the picture I was thinking of is, uh, when you were a kid and you were fighting with your sibling or maybe you're a parent and you kids fighting and it's like, OK, now now what do you do now? Now hug your sister. Right. right. Um, and I remember doing that, just that inner like, no, she called me a name or whatever. Or maybe I was the one that called the name. I don't know. I'm, I'm not always the, the good one in the scenario. But um, now you embrace each other. And the reason why our parents made us do this, because it was, it was uncomfortable, right? Like, no one's like, okay, yes, like, bring it in, sis. Like, that, that's not the instant reaction we have when, when we have to do that. But it's the decision to embrace what parents are trying to instill in us when we do that, or you with your kids, is, you know what? Your relationship with each other is gonna go beyond this moment, and you need to learn this now, because who you are is, people who you are as sisters matters if you embrace this moment of tension. And even though you may not want to, give it all. Give it all. Go in and embrace. So we've been calling this series Embracing Babylon. The idea that the reason why Israel came out of this stronger than ever as a people and in their relationship with God is because they embraced the exile. They embraced it And what's so nice is that's kind of a, you know, like a flowy idea. Like, okay, I'm going to embrace it. But in Jeremiah 29, we get a letter written from the prophet Jeremiah, but straight from God, giving them ways to actually how. How do you do that? How do you embrace it? And we've been walking through this letter the last few weeks. So in verse 4, it starts by saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, So once again, this is a letter straight from God's mouth. The God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. We, we talked about this, build houses and live in them, eat gardens, and, or <laughs> eat gardens, take gardens, and eat their produce. And what we talked about there is um, they thought, There were some rumors going around that they were actually only going to be there for two years. And God was like, sorry, you actually need to, like, figure out how to live in Babylon because you're going to be here 70 years. And that was uncomfortable, but God encouraged them, embrace this, move in, live there. Um, Next it says, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there." And do not decrease. We talked about that, how exile would be really easy just to, it's supposed to reduce you to zero. And God can't tell us to, like from zero, like from nothing, multiply. That makes no sense. But we talked about they actually didn't have nothing. God was with them the whole time. And God was able to give them this attitude of we don't have to make this time for nothing we don't just have to sit here and time out until God takes us back to Israel, but we can actually be productive and have purpose in Babylon and multiply and increase. And then today, here's, here's where we're landing today. This is verse 7, Jeremiah 29, 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare and i don't always do this but i want to start right off the bat with today's main point main idea and that is the world is better for our exile the world is better for our exile so why do god's people need to hear this Why did God's people need to hear this? Well, they weren't big fans of where God had sent them. We've talked about how Babylon was a pagan place. It was a harsh place to be. It was not fun for them to be in Babylon. They were miserable. (laughs) They were throwing them in lion's dens, changing their names. All that kind of stuff was happening. But, and, and you know what? I wouldn't be upset about that either. I wouldn't be, or yeah, like that, that makes sense. Like, why would you want to play for the place that's like torturing you, you know, burn down your temple, (laughs) removed you from everything you knew? Why would you do that? But we talked about this last week. They weren't just like randomly there. They weren't just scattered there. They were sown there, that there was purpose for them being there, that God had planted them there. And this wasn't random. That had a purpose here. And you know what? I can relate to this. Has anyone ever like, you're, you're just having a really difficult time. Someone's hurt you. And then um, in Christian circles, we believe in forgiveness. Jesus forgave us of everything. and But having to embrace that forgiveness though, that's that's not just something like, oh, okay, <laughs> here we go. It's, you know, it's a, it's a pill to swallow, it's, it's something to get, to wrap your mind around, and um, God wasn't telling them to do something easy. Um, he was, this was a really big challenge for them, to pray for Babylon, where he sent them. And the other reason they needed to hear this is because they needed to learn how to be in Babylon, but not of Babylon. And, If you remember, one of the reasons why they were in Babylon in the first place was they were living in Israel, and they weren't the only people there. There were a ton of other pagan communities, Canaanites, all these other tribes and peoples that worshipped different things, had different practices and different culture. And what were they doing that God knew it was time? Something had to change. Well, they started mixing their worship of God with the worship of the deities that these other tribes were praying to, these other peoples were praying to, they were marrying people that weren't following God. And so what did God do? He didn't put them in a little box to figure it out. He put them in a situation, a very pagan nation, where they did have their own sense of worship and culture. And they said, okay, and God is really saying, okay, this is your time. You need to figure this out. You need to figure out how to be in Babylon but not of Babylon. And that's a skill that thankfully they embraced it and on this side of history we know that every man, the world that Jesus entered impact was impacted by this, the early church was impacted by this. They had to learn this lesson, how to be in be followers of God in Babylon, but not necessarily take everything along with them the way that they had been and the way that God needed to correct. And not only that, that side, like, they had to learn how to become citizens of Babylon, but they also needed to learn, okay, but how am I a person of God living in this place? And once again, this was a lesson they needed to learn because famously, God's people are scattered all over the world, right? That's actually part of his, God's like ultimate plan to reach the whole world. But scattered all around the world, God needed a people that were able to become citizens of the place that they were, but also be so sure of who they were in God. So he put them, he transplanted them into a place that for 70 years, they had the challenge, the chance. Now, it wasn't easy. He asked them to do something very difficult, but they had the chance to learn how to be in but not of that maybe Babylon could be better after all of this. Maybe Babylon could actually be better because of this horrible, devastating thing that God's people had to go through. And what's really cool is what I love about this is verse 7 the challenge is to seek the welfare and pray. And I'm I'm sure there's so much more you can do, but I, I think sometimes the challenge really is a heart challenge. Can you figure out how to pray for these people? Can you figure out how to seek God on their behalf? And that is step one, but that's what God wanted. He wanted to start them from scratch. He wanted to start them back at step one and build up their identity in him again. So in First Peter 2, we talked last week, it's kind of cool because the early church viewed themselves in exile and started using the very similar language to what was being used during this time. Last week, we talked about how in First Peter, he addresses them, the, the scattered early Christians as exiles in the world. Anyone here last week kind of remember that? Like you jump forward 500 years, they're still using those lessons in that language, which is so cool. Well, in 1 Peter, this time in, uh, let's see, chapter 2. Last week we were in chapter 1. But in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, here's what he says. And once again, he addresses them as exiles. Beloved, so talking to the early church, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among all the places you are, all the Gentiles, all the people that don't believe like you do, wherever, whatever city you're in. Conduct yourselves honorably so that, though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. So here are the ingredients for a successful exile. And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. First, your heart is soft toward people. Once again, they weren't on buddy-buddy terms with the people of Babylon. They had some issues with Babylon, and rightly so. But God challenged them to pray and for their heart to soften toward them because maybe, just maybe, God wants Babylon's welfare just as much as God has plans for your welfare, which next week is what we'll be talking about, the Israel's welfare, but today we're talking about Babylon's welfare. And maybe, just maybe, though Babylon really brought them through a hard time, God's plan or not, it was still tough. Well, we can just admit that. That even so... God challenged his people, but can you look at them and see them as people that need my care too? And can you pray for them and seek their welfare? Heart is soft toward people. And then number two, so on one side, a successful exile looks like your heart is soft towards the people that are around you. But on the other side, your identity is firm in Jesus Christ. So no matter where you are in life or in the world, whether in Jerusalem or Babylon or Delaware or all the places that we live, no matter where you are, can you be a citizen of that place, soft-hearted toward the people, but firm in your identity in Jesus Christ? So, sure of who you are, you care about them, but you don't have to take on their practices. You know the lesson of I can be around them, I can care about them, but I don't have to become them because I have an identity in Jesus Christ. And I just have two illustrations I, I want to share. These, these are a little personal. Um, my family <laughs> does not, by and large, <laughs> follow Jesus. Um, I'm really the the only... He's follower in my family. And a year and a half ago, my grandma died, my dad's mom. And I'll never forget about six months before she died. and I've been praying my whole life for her to be saved. And about six months before she died, I had a conversation with her where in her 90s, she very clearly named some people in the family and said she will never forgive them. Never forgive them. She hated them. And I'm not even sure she remembered exactly what they did. But unfortunately, I loved my grandma, but that's how she lived her life. Her heart was not soft toward people. And therefore, it was really hard for her to be soft towards God. And just like my grandma, I think you and I have had people that have really done us wrong. But, yeah, people that we have to deal with, people in our lives that we see day to day. But it's not worth living well into your 90s and dying, having that kind of spirit where you're telling your grandma or your granddaughter, I, I don't care what you think. And by the way, in the context of that conversation was she had heard a sermon I had preached at an old church we were at. And she's like, I know this is what you said, and this is what the scripture says, but I can't. And that's why prayer is the missing ingredient here. Because prayer allows you to wrestle with those things. And overnight, yeah, forgiveness isn't a, oh, la-dee-da, like overnight. It really is this embracing, even though there's tension. The wrestling and prayer over it. Another example of this, I think of my sister, who was raised like me in church. Um, We are 21 months apart, so pretty close in age, did a lot of stuff together. And she is probably the most compassionate person you'll ever meet. She's the person in the family that takes care of everything, right? (laughs) Takes care of the parents, takes care of all the stuff, giving money freely to a family that needs it. She's so soft-hearted toward people. But you know what? Her identity in Christ never became firm. Now, I want to be careful. I'm not trying to like, it's not my job to judge hearts. But now she, she is so soft-hearted toward people that it's like she doesn't have room in her life. She feels like being firm in identity in Christ would keep her from being soft toward people. And she chose that side. And I think what this passage is getting at, and what life in Christ calls us to is both things. Both a soft heart toward the people in our lives and that we're around, that are Babylon people, but also a firm identity in the God that we serve and that saved us and died for us. And we're called to both. And I, I think sometimes, um, especially in the North American church, we we make this dichotomy of you have to choose one or the other. That being firm in your identity in Christ Means you have to be bristly and pokey and angry and hateful toward the people around you that are the pagan Babylons in your life. And I, that's, that's too bad. I also think there's a younger generation that has the biggest heart for people ever. I'm not saying we don't, but I, I think there's, a new generation coming up that has the biggest heart for social justice and care and the media by and large portrays it as that's antithetical to Christianity and it shouldn't be. It should be both together where we want to see people be taken care of but we also won't take on the parts of the culture that are not of Jesus Christ. And and how you do that, I don't know. But I don't think God needed them to do it perfectly. I think he needed them to be submitted to him in their hearts and pray for them. Like God really do the work of hearts and do the work of building each other up. And that's why they're not called to change all of Babylon in 70 years. God called them to pray for Babylon and seek their welfare and maybe just maybe as god brings about their welfare <laughs> that they'll also bring about the welfare of babylon as they pray so the one question i have today is where has god placed you you have babylon people in your world where has god placed you and I want to ask this. Is this place better off because you were, you're were you there? <laughs> because you're praying for them? Is your heart soft toward them? Are you firm in your identity in Jesus Christ around them? And here's how I want to end today. I have kind of a fill-in-the-blank moment. So we go back to that verse. You know, seek the welfare of the text says the city, that meant Babylon, but if you were to fill in that blank, what would go there? But seek the welfare of the name of your office, the name of your school, the name of that one side of the family that you try not to deal with too much. What what your that the more nosy neighbor, what what is it? What What goes in that blank for you? And today as we close, oh good we have. Today as we close, I want to spend about 10-15 minutes filling in that place uh, that blank specifically with Delaware. So Zoe, can you help me? Thank you. Zoe's my helper today. She's awesome. But we have on note cards. Yeah, everyone will get one note card. So she'll go around and pass that around as we we kind of move into a time of prayer and working through this. But when probably probably back in June, it was early June, we visited a church in Mount Gilead, which is really close to here, right? Like just right up the road. And you know what they do every Sunday? They have a box of note cards with the actual names of the people that are leaders and the entities that are in Mount Gilead. And every Sunday, they everyone picks a card and they pray over their city, over the decisions the leaders are making, over the structures that are in place. And we're journey Delaware. Like it's in our name. Like the, the place where God has put this church is in the name of the church. So I would love to just spend the next few minutes. What I did was I, I found the name of the mayor. I found the name of our commissioners of the sheriff. Um, we have two school districts in, in the city of Delaware. Did you know that? I had no idea. Um, Ohio Wesleyan University is like a block away. There's a whole bunch of students there that we can be praying for. We have a hospital right here. I think one of you guys might have gotten a card that said a family dollar right next door that, yeah, that we visit every almost every Sunday, some of us, right? Um, let's pray for their welfare. Let's pray for their welfare. And yeah, Brandon loved. To just put on some music, some space. So make this time what you want it to be. But look at this person. Look up on your phone if you have no idea what a commissioner does, like me. Feel free to look it up or just pray for them. Pray for your family, their family, their decisions they're making, um, their their safety. Whatever comes to mind for you. There's no wrong way to do this. But we're going to spend about ten minutes in prayer over these cards, and then I'll come up and close. And that'll be.